It's Tuesday, May 28th, 2019, and welcome to episode 224 of Tech Talk for Teachers. I'm Tom Grissom. I'm Newton Key. And I'm Catherine Florido. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the show about teaching and learning with technology. And yes, Newton, it is still episode 224. Newton uh, just kind of cut me off there because I gave the wrong date. But just to let the audience in on a little secret, we pre-recorded this. I'm with I'm with you now. I nope. okay. understand what we're doing. Okay, we we are actually recording this on Thursday. What is today? 24th. May twenty fourth, and we it's are still not Thursday. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. All right. Did I get the date right? Okay. We're... See, I told you I did the best one the first time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we're also because we're thinking about what we just came back from on a Tuesday and Wednesday. That's so that's right. When you said Tuesday, I was. <laughs> I, I flashbacks to a time warp. Flashbacks. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we have a special episode for you this time. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Faculty Summer Institute Conference, which we all just got back from, and uh, we're we're going to talk a little bit about some of the sessions that uh, caught our attention and uh, just some of the things that we learned along the way. So, Newton, what are some things we'll talk about this time? Well, we're talking about uh, active learning because some of us went to a pre-conference workshop on uh, active learning classrooms initiatives. That's one thing. The Generation Z who are currently in our classrooms and uh, some of the things that they uh, prefer, especially when compared with previous generations like the millennials that we hear so much about and how that might mean that we might need to rethink a lot of things about the classroom. Mm -hmm. For example, what does it mean to cheat? Yes. Is it cheating or collaboration? I guess. Okay. And then uh, I also, I did a presentation on Sway. So I'll share uh, some of the things that we did within that. And uh, just want to give a shout out to all of our fellow uh, EIU colleagues that also attended out there. But uh, if you've never attended the Faculty Summer Institute, uh, it's up in Champaign-Urbana every year in May. And uh, we all learned a lot and we always enjoy it. So sit back and here we go. back for another episode of Tech Talk for Teachers and it's the end of May and if it's May here in Illinois that means that many of us have attended the FSI Engage Conference or Faculty Summer Institute. So I've invited a couple of attendees in. We have uh, Newt Key. Hi. And we have Dr. Catherine Polidor. Hello. And what I thought we would do today is kind of do a debriefing uh, for those of us at EIU that did attend the FSI conference and also for those that could not attend, whether you're at EIU or really anywhere in the world. So, Newton, could you just provide just a little bit of background about the FSI conference? I think it's in the 22nd year or something like that, but what it's about for faculty development. We had an, a, an attendee who had stood up and had been there for 22 years, so I think he was there from the very beginning. I think I've probably been going at least for a decade now. Um, and it's an, an annual conference focusing on mainly higher education, but increasingly there's been some stuff at uh, a few people from K through 12 thinking about how we can sort of recharge our teaching and learning. And it used to have a solely a technology focus. It switched a little bit over the years as 
technology has become sort of ubiquitous, and so it's not really that's that different from what teaching and learning is uh, about. And Dr. Polidor, have you attended before? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, this is my fourth or fifth year attending the FSI conference, and um, I keep going, and I hope to keep going because every time I just can't get, um, come out of it just so um, excited and re-energized about using a number of different um, instructional strategies in my classroom. Yeah, and it comes at a time of the year where we just finished up, you know, the spring semester, looking forward to the summer semester. Exactly. So we have some time to maybe implement and play around and, you know, uh, experiment with some of the, the, both the instructional pedagogies as well as some of the newer technologies. So I thought I would just kind of throw it open here at the beginning and talk about maybe some of the sessions that uh, that you attended. And then maybe we could have, talk a little bit about a, a keynote uh, or a couple of the keynotes that they had available. So somebody want to start on one of the sessions that you attended and kind of give an overview? Well, I'd like to sort of start with a, a pre-conference workshop that uh, both Catherine and I went to uh, that was titled uh, Starting or Beginning an Active Learning Classroom Initiative uh, on Your Campus. And it is about what you need to think about, who you need to bring together as stakeholders to uh, get some active learning classrooms on the campus, which really has to do with flexible furniture. And we're, we're working on a project um, that I've been working on to do exactly that. Uh, so uh, what was amazing was this was really useful even though I've been thinking about this for a while. But the reason I wanted to sort of start with that, besides the fact that it's the first thing I went to on the, the session, is that a couple of people were there and they I don't know if they hadn't read the full title or whatever and they wanted to know about active learning rather than the classrooms itself and how you get the financing and stuff for the, the the classrooms and what do you think about but the way it was structured was sort of best practices that we we went into groups and we wrote things on walls and we uh, looked at different images and we selected as a group the best images that reflected what we were looking for and so on so it was modeling active learning whether you have right. the latest flexible furniture or not. So uh, I was just really pleased by that and it gave me some things to think about. Even though I'm the director of the Faculty Development Innovation Center, I'm also a professor, so I was like, ooh, I could use that, and I was going to take yeah. that. Yeah. And, and we also had uh, an ALC poster session from uh, two or three of our EIU uh, colleagues there as well. Right. So there was a little bit of a interaction. I'm sorry I'm speaking so much about this, but I have been working on this for a while. Um, so a member of the Faculty Development Innovation Center staff and a couple of the librarians, because this planned ALC is within the, the library, and they had uh, some... What do you call those circles with pie charts? Spinners. Spinners. They had spinners that were actually old vinyl records behind them, and... Uh, they had to assure me that we had that vinyl record somewhere else before they used the vinyl record. But then you would spin <laughs> to get a, a letter, a number, and a color. And the letter was an actual room that we have on campus, whether that's tiered or flat or has wheels on those things. The number was basically the number of students you have in your class, whether that's 10 or 20 or 100. And then the third thing with the color was what 
activity, activity you wanted to do, whether it was a review session or I wanted them to break into, you know, talk, think, pair, share, that sort of thing. And then to ask the people that came up to the poster how you might do it in this. Mm-hmm. And at times it becomes very difficult, mm-hmm. right? You have a tiered stadium seating, all of a sudden you can't quite do what you were looking for. And so it, it gets across why you would think about the furniture. Right, I physical mean, so, spaces, yeah. So, so it was this combination of spaces and, 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 and activities, this sort of programmatic need for uh, teaching. And maybe we can, I'll come back to that maybe later when we talk about sort of online and how that okay. might relate as well. But okay. that, anyway, that was, for me, was very exciting. Okay, Catherine? I kind of want to go ahead and piggyback off the, because I also attended that workshop. And um, just, you know, because I love learning and I want to know about what's the next eat thing, what's the next cutting edge, even if it's spaces, even if it's just something as simply as kind of looking at the classroom itself and how that impacts learning. Because I don't think that as instructors, we think about that very much because in our lesson planning, I guess it's probably because we already we do not have much options, right, right, in terms of the classroom spaces. Right. And we we just plan our lessons in terms of what are we going yeah. to instruct mm-hmm. and then... Well, and the big um, thing is how the, can we rearrange the chairs. Right, and, and then, you know, but then for me personally, I've realized, um, especially over the last few years, when um, I've really thought about my teaching, especially in my undergraduate class, and I prefer, I use a very social constructivist approach to um, most of my lessons and... I not really appreciate the classrooms that have the individual single desk with the chair attachment thing because it doesn't allow my students to to readily work in groups if I want them to. So therefore, um, I have over the last uh, three years or so, I've been re- specifically requesting classrooms that have desk already set up um at least the single desk where there um there are several chairs can be yeah, ta- arranged more, more tables yeah um oh, to- i said that said chairs yeah. there we go <laughs> that's why i need um you guys around so tables that i can arrange several chairs around them or the classroom is already set up like that right so um it was um interesting to to kind of say hmm all right so i already have that issue Mm -hmm. so i can totally see the next step for me would be the active um learning classroom that it's already set up for that easy flexibility mobility of the students and depending on the nature of the activity or the instructional approach so you know i just thought that was really fascinating and like Anne newton said the idea that even within that workshop we were able to to do certain activities that I don't think you know they can be done in the traditional classroom as well so I'm like yeah I could use that so the idea about the cards um, using images to 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 do an activity even going beyond just the use of images but the fact that they were laminated is a step up because then yeah. you can they can reuse them yeah. it makes them more durable the idea of just using phrases for example as well so you know just a number of different right. little instruction like small things but right. i just thought they could be very powerful instructional tools right and uh, regarding the physical spaces here on campus you know we have three or four different levels of course we have many classrooms that are still um the traditional student desk with the folding tables over as you said that are quite limiting uh 
you know. Yes, for a number of ways. Then, mm-hmm. in in our building here that we're currently in, the College of Education, as you said, the room with tables, that's one of my favorite rooms, too, because you have the flat tables and chairs. Right. And then the next third level, which we haven't achieved yet, but uh, Newton had just mentioned mobile furniture, you know, put those tables and chairs on wheels. Right. That's just a – you wouldn't think that would make a difference, but it just, I think, kind of gives you permission to kind of go out there and rearrange the groups, and the students certainly feel – you know, a little bit more comfortable uh, in that environment. And then lastly, at the top level, what you're working on now with the uh, Student Development Innovation Center, it's like, okay, what have we learned about, you know, physical spaces? What do we know about the pedagogy and combining all that? And that's what you've been working on. I know you've been putting a tremendous amount of uh, effort into that. But if we could start with a blank slate and kind of just dream, you know, with whiteboards on the walls and, you know, maker spaces and all these other things that I know we've had ongoing conversations here on campus about. But as you said, the, we don't think of it as teachers as that being a limitation, but it certainly is because that's, that's the environment that you start out in. So another kind of theme for me and throughout the conference was accessibility and universal design for learning. So on the pedagogy side of that, for away from the you know physical spaces type of thing, and this is true for both face-to-face and online, is creating those accessible materials. And since more and more of our courses are going you know 100% online, not only do we need to think about you know face-to-face classroom physical spaces, but how do we design this virtual space and this virtual learning environment, which we've been in for a number of years. And again, it's kind of an awareness out there that if you have people with vision problems or hearing problems that we need to design for everybody. And when we do that, it lifts everybody up because with closed captions of video, that's not only for the hearing impaired, but it's also very valuable for us. And I attended one of the sessions on Office 365, and it was very rewarding to see how, um, it was from Illinois State, how they were using Office 365 and OneNote and some of the assistive technologies, the immersive reader and some of those. Uh, I can't remember the name of the university, but someone also had a Sway presentation. And then I gave a Sway presentation on just kind of... uh, how do you do sway? How do you do sway? <laughs> and that That's was from Newton's. That was from Newton's um, uh, suggestion, and it was like "Sway Your Way to Better Learning" was the title of my session. Mm-hmm. But it was about getting the students involved. And I, whenever I teach either face to face or online, I'm always asking myself, "Okay, I've been talking for 10, 15 minutes. What have the students done? Get them to do something." And sway is just one of those um, applications out there. It's cloud based. It's available to every single faculty, staff, and student here at EI you free you just use your panther mail uh, user id and password so that's one barrier gone you sign in you click on sway you're going and within you know a very short amount of time it's very easy to use and what i love about it is our students are actually producing the learning artifacts it's not me the teacher the student is taking what we taught them you know during the session and then elaborating upon it you know reconfiguring it doing that multi-pass learning and making them the creators of the content they become the teacher and whenever you teach something you know you have to understand it so that's a level pedagogically deeper that you're asking that student to perform and it's also a fun program because they love sharing their pro- their uh, sways with other students and it is very mobile phone friendly so you can collect all those sways instead of doing you know like the stand-up presentation uh, create a microsoft forms and say okay students we're doing chapter three today i would like for you to do a summary sway over what we talked about and then have them copy and paste the their shared 
sway link into this form and then you as the instructor can say okay here's everybody's sway go out and review you know what each each one of you have done so that's kind of the approach that i took because newton was uh asking us like okay what can what can we do to have an actual product and even though it's a virtual product it involves a lot of mental processing uh, to go through and do that and then a lot of teachers are using it but i am using it more and more simply for the fact that it looks great on a mobile phone mm -hmm. you, you know you as the teacher you know your content and you let sway take care of all that magic and design and worry about is it a mobile phone or is it a 94 inch projector screen it reformats all of that for you automatically can i piggyback on that a little bit uh, in that and switch to one of the last sessions i went to which was sort of understanding our new students and understanding generation z and uh, went through a lot of material and she had it on a i think she actually used a google site to do it but uh, a, a lot of different links and so on but one was a little video of some kid in singapore or something like that but at one point he says you have 10 seconds before we become distracted mm -hmm. and and sway and some of these things are sometimes just that wow factor but you kind of need that wow factor at the beginning to get them get them drawn into this and then as you say that the whole sort of students as creators mode uh get them okay i showed you one of these but you could right. be doing it for our our last project right. i want to show you to show me your exactly you know, and that's what i tell my students it's like i know the content you know i'm i'm the teacher out here i've, I've already spent my hundred hours learning this it's you you have to put in those repetitions those reps out there uh, and you know we just know from cognitive science you just don't say something once and you know you get it you have to do it multi-pass, space practice, and all those other things that we do as good teachers. So, all right, any other kind of overall themes or sessions? Yes, I want to go ahead. We're going to be doing a lot of piggybacking um, <laughs> of that session because I also attended the Gen Z. And um, interestingly enough, um, I actually have one of my thesis advisees. She is working on Gen Z. So I got to, mm -hmm. she actually taught me a lot about mm -hmm. Gen Z's because I had to read the right. chapter two, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so I found out all of those things about Gen Z's. And then I came to this workshop that is repeating some of those things about Gen Z's. I helped me to but then you know using videos and and um i guess coming from a space of knowledge because the person is a generation researcher and um so that really helps me to 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 rethink the way that i see my students and it helped me to understand or explain some of their behaviors that just had me just really baffled so um i think it's important for instructors to really think about what kind of labels maybe that we are placing our students that is probably unfair to them because we are still thinking about them in terms of maybe a past generation right right and um, i think that is something that if i had to give an one advice i would say um let's let us educate ourselves about the students that we are actually teaching today and not the students that we taught 10 15 years right. ago and you talked about some of those behaviors like what like regarding video viewing or something like that so um so a common thing uh, among my students is the idea that i lecture too much although i do not really feel that i do i feel <laughs> that i i have an appropriate amount of lectures because i do a lot of activities but they want more activities mm -hmm. so 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 therefore one of the things that concerns me is 
because you know I feel that like there are certain things content that I would like my students to know and the activities might take a certain amount of time but in a smaller amount of content so the idea of maybe rethinking what exactly do does, do my students have to know right. right and then rethinking okay how can I get some of that into an active learning space that gets to my learning outcome but at the same time giving the students the experience that they're looking right. for right so i think that's um, right important Th that's a common issue whenever i work with faculty going from a face-to-face -to, -face to an online environment right because and it's natural no matter what technology you use but whenever we're trying to recreate our face-to-face -face environment we're literally doing that because that's what we know from our experience but uh and, and faculty make this mistake all the time as you said lecture so um, they're going to do an online powerpoint lecture so they'll turn on their video camera and talk for here's slide one here's slide what 25 here's slide 50 and go lecture, on right? For, it's a lecture <laughs> exactly and pedagogically that is a switch and you know it's whether generations i think this is true you know well for for many many older generations as well but we learn by doing we learn by engaging and that's why i say what are we asking i just pause every now and then whenever i do an instructional design and say okay here's the activity i'm going to lecture a little bit about chapter one and as you do okay now here's a little bit of an activity it's it's kind of like watching tv and having a commercial come on you yeah. know it's just like you know your mind switching there a little bit you've lost the attention you need to go to something else and then it comes back on you refocus and then you know your mind engages again Th those are challenges whether face-to-face -face or online one of the things that it, from the gen z i don't mean to be only talking about that but it it tied in with so many of the other things we were talking throughout the two days was this this fear of failure right that is sort of really strong and 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 the answer to that in some ways is low stakes stuff you know and build up right and right. and i've been thinking a lot not just about students as creators is about sort of and i teach history is importing design thinking process right like okay that was great that was one iteration let's try a different one where we change it up a little bit but they're like no i, I did that what did i do wrong well no it's not wrong we just need and so you, but you need to I've got to build it into my grading so yeah. yeah that was not a that that version was not your grade did not stake on that one yeah right? did, did either one of you go to any of the game-based uh, sessions there was a couple of game-based sessions mm -hmm. what popped into my head there you know the gamer generation and you know they they always say that you know we're, we need to make some game-based learning do badges achievements leveling up you know all those terminologies well that's all rooted in education you want to make a game challenging enough but yet that what you just mentioned about failure you can't make it so difficult that it's like oh i'm never going to be able to do this right. you, right. you've got you've kind of got a leader what vygotsky would call the zone of proximal development just make that goal just slightly out of reach and maybe they can't get there themselves but maybe the peer instruction in the classroom their classmates and everything and as a team and the collaboration was another theme mm -hmm. you know that's what our 21st century workforce is asking us so where do our students get that experience of collaboration Collaboration um, in our classrooms, in our online classrooms. How do they have? You know, where, where do they get those opportunities at? So that's another thing. Because I had an, an incident of what I would call cheating, and I'm I'm beginning to to wonder if I have to redefine um, what cheating. Yes, is. I think we do. And I think actually that is probably where it have to go. That simply because two individuals decide to 
collaborate is that cheating right so that is something i haven't decided yet how exactly i feel about that but i'm realizing that at some point we will have right. to redefine yeah, what it means to cheat certainly depends upon the context because they've lived in this generation you know where, where they're just a facebook you know post away from going out to whatever friend or things but we can also build some of that collaboration into with permission you know to do that i'm speaking myself personally the way that i learn best i can only go so far by myself and then i need somebody to push me and you know go go that next level to break me out of maybe an erroneous way that i was thinking and that's where the peer instruction is so important and i was i think it was the second day key note uh the uh the person was talking about the example of the, the they were doing lab experiments you know and doing the pins and things mm -hmm. and, right. and and the reinforcement versus judgment yes. so um that was, that was very interesting in terms of uh everybody gets the points if one group gets the points is right. that what you were thinking yeah. and that, that they would all stay like longer than the session so that they would get these points right totally voluntary you know yeah, versus yeah. the old way of here's my lecture and we're kind of doing that kind of mixing up but tapping into that intrinsic motivation type thing and then kind of cheering you know each other on so just to set this up for the audience that didn't attend or wasn't was not at the keynote they had a laboratory exercise and she used to grade individual groups uh you know and uh, assign the points that way but they were having trouble you know internalizing the content so whenever one group her change in, in pedagogy was whenever one group achieved all the labeling correct for this dissection uh, uh, lesson uh, everybody in the room got the points and then they all came over to that table and then they would discuss amongst themselves it's like okay you know what how did you do this i don't really see this and again that peer instruction and and she said you know they kind of cheered for each other at that point that's total change in classroom you know behavior and management type thing so that was interesting Okay, so we're going on here. We're uh, 20 some minutes into this. So any other ones that you want to mention? Can I just mention one brief one that, that was, um, I'm trying to, uh, is Contreras, uh, was, I, I'm on Met give her a shout out because I think it was her first presentation mm -hmm. ever, but it was on a, a tech enhanced class versus a tech less class. Mm -hmm. And so she had two of the same classes. Now the tech less still had an LMS, still used email and so on. So it's, it's technology. Yeah, define technology. Can't be, but, right, yeah. but the other one would do much more online type stuff. And uh, she had things like, using Kahoot versus giving some sort of immediate feedback, uh, putting PowerPoints online versus giving them a thing that they would write out their notes, a sort of guided notes uh, thing, and uh, or something like Answer Garden. She divided us into two groups, and one of us did that, and the others went over in the wall and wrote answers, right? And then she sort of came out with her 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 uh, findings from this. Now the tech enhance did better on, on some of the tests. The the, the the tech less really liked the guided notes and that gave them a way of making mm -hmm. sense of their own understanding of this. And uh, whatever her findings are, my finding was we well, need to do a bit of you know mix it up. You need both of those, those aspects of it. So I I just thought that was a very nice yeah. little. 
Yeah, many, many different ways. And as far as the research uh, goes, there are just thousands and thousands of variables that we have no way of controlling in a in a typical, you know, random control group uh, situation. So that's what makes it challenging. It's also what makes learning so magical. It's also what makes teaching so magical. And just all those different combinations we kind of have to discover. And every year I'm picking up something different and uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here but if if you've never attended especially those of us here in Illinois I would encourage any uh, higher ed faculty to attend the faculty summer institute and I don't know is it open to any uh, outside states uh, yeah we we used to have especially when it was free that we yeah. did get a lot more but we I think there were some this this time as well but they've kept the yeah, it's on the campus of They've the university. They've kept the registration really low. So, yeah. Um, I, we, we, yeah, less than $100. So on the campus of the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, of course, there's many things to do on campus. And you know, usually have some tours and some uh, uh, evening after, you know, after hours, evening uh, suppers and things like that to talk uh, with some of your peers. So I would highly encourage you. Pretty sure it's going to be in May next year. I know that Newton's on the uh, on the uh, committee, uh, so and it involves a lot of work. So certainly want to thank uh, Newton, all the other committee members, because it does take a great deal of work. And as you can see from from our conversation here, I think everybody got a little bit out of it and to take back to our campuses. And now our challenge is to go out and implement and uh, be inspired to, to uh, take teaching and learning to the next level. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. My technology pick of the week this week is going to be a little bit forward-looking, and we are anticipating some new features coming to the Microsoft Stream video service, and this is something that's been rumored for a while and I've been waiting for it for a long time, but I think this is really going to help a lot of our instructors that are teaching online, and if you're in a flipped learning environment, I think you'll certainly gain a benefit from it. But Microsoft Office 365 is currently in the process of rolling out the incorporation of a Microsoft form within a video so that means that you can go out and say like at you know time marker three minutes in you could uh, insert like a little quiz question or a survey or a poll or something like that so for on Catherine's giving me these looks over here can you, can you think of any uses for that oh I think that is interesting because that's <laughs> kind of like what poll everywhere does in a way because it can be incorporated into your PowerPoint presentation into PowerPoint. as a slide and then you know you could do a quick poll and see all yep. the things moving and so the wheels are wild. turning over here yes. but I, I think that's going to be huge for us here at, at EIU especially for the hundred percent online courses where we're talking about some of the student act student interaction and as a check for understanding it's like are our students watching the videos that we want them it's kind of like our reading assignments you know did the students go out and do the readings before we had our class and it's just kind of a you know a, a good way to check uh, check up on the students are actually you know watching uh, the curriculum and content that we want them to as well as providing some instantaneous feedback to them are they getting it so that's my tech pick. I will provide a link uh, out in the show notes to an article about this upcoming feature and uh, be, uh, be sure to, to look, uh, look for it uh, upcoming and be sure to test it out when it, whenever it's uh, rolled out. So that's my tech pick. Newton? Well, there's a lot of things I could pick, but I'm going to go with something fairly simple. It's just Answer Garden at answergarden.ch, and uh, it is a way to 
set a question that your students can answer and as they answer it it forms a little sort of word cloud mm. uh, on the basis of how they answer them and it's just very clean and very simple and it, it looks really nice and I, there's other things that i've used like padlet but this i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a go yeah okay simple is always good and Catherine, and my tech peak um is going to be pull everywhere it is something that i have used myself when i do i've done presentations and workshops not really in my classroom but then uh, there was this presenter who used it multiple times in uh, i think a double session presentation and uh, that showed me how i could potentially incorporate it into my classroom it can do a number of things where if you have a powerpoint presentation it can be inserted within the powerpoint presentation and um, you could do a poll with um, maybe asking individuals how they feel about something or posing a question like a brainstorming question and then you could see the live poll that could be text or it could be a wordle where um, the the, the main words of the responses form a wordle, word, you know, cloud. word cloud, mm -hmm. and then um, you could see it changing as the responses are coming in, and then that could be used to have a discussion. Yeah, and as a good active learning strategy out there as well, involving having some interaction and breaking up the lecture. So, okay, some, some good picks out there, so we'll provide the links in our show notes, so be sure to check those out. That wraps it up for episode 224 of Tech Talk for Teachers. For show notes, please visit the EIU Instructional Technology Center website at eiu.edu itc. I hope you enjoyed this session talking about the FSI Engage uh, conference uh, up at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And as I said before, make sure you uh, check that out on your calendars next year. It is a, a very good conference and something that we can all put to good use. So until next time, this is Tom Grissom. And this is Newton Key. And this is Catherine Pollard. Keep, Keep on, on learning. learning.